The Rice and Ricky Sanchez podcast. Oh boy, it's great. It's brought to you by Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours right now with the Big Barker Process Pup. Rice and Ricky Sanchez patch at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. LL Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rice and Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. And Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. On the show today, our first opportunity to talk about the Mike Scott um, tailgate fight at the Eagles game that took over. Uh, Philadelphia social media for a couple of days. All but the top 10 of the SI Top 100 is out. So we'll talk about where the Sixers fall, everybody bet and bead. And we have a big addition finally, officially, to Live Ricky 4, and it involves your skin. That's right. We're up to 77 members of the Bark in the Park team for the Providence Animal Center uh, 5K, October 26th. You have to sign up by October 1st to get the cool uh, process pup t-shirt. We're up to 77. So just go to uh, com to sign up. Thanks to LL Pavorsky, Colony Meadery, Cornblow and Cornblow for sponsoring the team. Without any further ado, Amos and the chef. Welcome to the Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who uh, is working very hard on his TV show. That is Mike Levin. How's it going? Oh, it's going well. Had the table yeah. read for my episode yesterday. That's episode mm-hmm. uh, seven of the first season of Perfect Harmony coming to NBC this fall in a couple weeks, the day after Live Ricky 4. Actually, no, the day before Live Ricky 4. Oh, wow. Um, so maybe we'll, I'll make everybody watch the trailer or something like that. Yeah, you could do that. Do whatever yeah, you want. That's great. Yeah, we'd, we'd love to have the Philadelphia ratings very high, higher than to. everybody else. Just yeah. like the grinder. Uh, yeah, the, the it's, grinder. It's in my bio when my reps send, out, send me out as a writer. It's like, well, if you want just the Philadelphia area, he's really got that cornered slightly. <laughs> We did nail it that one time. Yeah. We really did. It's very good. Uh, I want to do something sort of out of the ordinary for the pod. And I wanted to lead it off with occasionally during the off season, we do relationship advice. And we had a relationship advice question um, months ago, and it was about uh, fly the process f- uh, four. Was the last one four? Yeah. And the guy, if you remember, it was in Minnesota, and the guy... His buddy was sick or something, so he went on Tinder, met a girl, uh, had a great time, and was considering a long-distance romance. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah, of course. So we told him to go for it, and we got an update on July 11th, uh, which I didn't even notice until he sent the most recent one. He said, Dear Spike and Mike and Kristen, just wanted to share that my 
trip back to Minnesota was incredible. I bought a Covington Purple Rain Timberwolves jersey and made her take a picture attached in front of our Fly the Process Hotel from the Skywalk. Seeing her again in a month, we'll update again when it's time. And he sent a lovely picture of his, uh, of his long-distance romance, which I'm going to send to you right now so you can take a look at her. Um, and that was the latest update on July 11th. But then we got an email on Monday. Here we go. Spike my Christian, it is with a heavy heart that I must share with you that fly, the Fly the Process love story has reached its end. We kept, thing, we kept things casual, meeting every two months or so. Every trip with her was truly special. The distance was just too much. She started dating someone there. I began dating someone here. I didn't know it at the time, but on what would be our last day together, I wore a Covington Timberwolves jersey. Seems fitting. I don't know if I'll ever see her again, but I do know one thing. Know one thing. We were right. The process was worth it, even if it didn't end in a championship. I'll see you at the live pod. I'll be the tall one in the Cubs jersey. Um, love, at least I don't have to deal with those winters. Um, so and then so he attached ending, a few moving, photos. Moving of, beyond of that. Them. Yes. All right. Well, um, that's what it's all about, you guys. Yeah. You know, not. I, I say this all the time. Not even talking about marriages breaking up. But most relationships don't end in like happily ever after. And that's not a bad thing. You know, you live, you learn, you love. He had a great time. Um, he met someone he cared about. He had some, you know, um, imagine a, a right streaky Sanchez trip ending in a at least four or five month long distance romance. I think that's exciting. So congratulations. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> live and learn. Yeah. You draft Nerlens, you trade him by mistake, you know, all this stuff. It happens. Um, the Willie Green, that, uh, uh, related to that, the Willie Green Apple Podcast five-star review, we're at 2,494. Got to get to 3,000. That way I can read all the reviews in another podcast. This comes from Chris Monsta. Now, you're not going to like this. Subject line is terrible in the off-season. This pod is outstanding during the season and around free agency at the draft. They really should not do pods at all otherwise. Uh, Unprepared, incoherent, nothing to say at all. That's they also le- during the season. Right. <laughs> they, led, they led with Ben Simmons' workout videos once, and Mike hadn't even watched them. And when they're not prepared, Spike starts talking like a valley girl, all ums, likes, and you knows. I, I, no offense, but I think he might be confusing us. Borderline unlistenable, don't waste people's time. I, I've got to be honest. I actually think we've had a really good off season. I, I don't think he's listened to all the pods. Maybe he doesn't listen to the guest pods. There's some podcasts that I listen to that if they have a guest on, I just don't listen. I don't know. I thought the guest pods were all really good. I don't know, the Amos one was good. Barlow was good. I don't know, right? It was good. Look, I think we are the same middling trash during... Beyond <laughs> off season, any member amount of season, we're <laughs> consistent. So I don't want to hear. Look, you can dislike us. I certainly do. But at the very least, we are consistent in our middling preparedness and analysis and math. I would like to see the guy look at the fucking prep sheet. There's always a prep sheet. I, I actually and I thought- glance at it. As we're doing it, I look, 
the last pod where we didn't have a guest, I thought was one of our best in a while at a good tempo and pace and lots of topics. Anyway, um, the Sports Illustrated Top 100 has come out. All but the top 10 is out. I know Rob Mahoney from Sports Illustrated is doing it, and Ben Golliver used to do it, who is banned. Um, but he works for the Washington Post now, so I don't know who's doing it with Mahoney. So all five Sixers st- starters are in the top 100. Uh, the only one who is not revealed yet is Embiid, which we can talk about in the next pod. So I thought what we do is go through each guy. I would give you who he's ahead of, who he's right behind, and you can we can sort of like parse if it's the right spot. Okay. So going worst to first, no offense, just, you know, that's a, a phrase that people say. The first sixer who appeared on the list is Josh Richardson. He was at 71. Um, I tried to compare them to, um, I didn't do this all, but like not include, like if it's Josh Richardson, I'm not going to include a bunch of centers that he's in front of, just sort of like, you know. Um, he is right ahead of, Ricky Rubio, who's at 73, Pat Beverly, who's at 81, Marcus Smart at 82, and Jaron Jackson Jr. at 83. He is right behind Thaddeus Young at 70, Jalen Brown at 69, J.J. Redick at 67, Joe Ingles at 65, and um, in relation to our, our conversation with Gons, he is behind Robert Covington, who is at 64. Um, you feel this is right? Is this accurate? I feel fine about this. I think mm-hmm. you could make the argument that a couple of the people he's ahead of maybe are better. You can make the yep. argument that a couple of people he's behind are worse. So ultimately, I would say this is totally fine. Um, and if he was in the top 50, then you start hearing like, you know, the the ringing of Vince Young's super team starts to like sort of echo in your head. And I'm glad that he's a little bit lower. If he was too high, it would have been like too much pressure. Yeah, I think, you know, not to... The the only time that we've really thrown a temper tantrum about this, and this was when Golliver was on the pod, was when Covington was too low and he ranked... Was it Jay Crowder way ahead of him, I yeah. think? And we, we fought with him on it and we won that one. Um, <laughs> we won that I, one. I mean, we did. He's better than Jay Crowder. Oh, yeah, for sure. And he was, yes, definitely. But it's funny to be like a, a, a very uh, unscientific, you just coming home to your fans and being like, we want another one, fans. We did it. Well, if anyone is good at winning things that there's not really a scorecard on, um, I would say that it's us. Yeah, I think so. I think he has a real chance this year to increase his perceived value sure. by maybe even doing less, yeah. you know, um, because he will be asked to do less here. And I think his efficiency could could go up because of that. I think his reputation as a defender could increase even more being on a higher profile team, you know. Um, I think he is... You know, uh, he's more skilled than Marcus Smart, but I don't know that I would take him before I would take Marcus Smart. Um, On this team, I probably would. Yeah, because of his ability to score. But they like to do this thing where they say, like, in a vacuum. Now, Ben Golliver doesn't know what in a vacuum actually means. um, But, you know, I I guess you have to say, like, absolute value in that case. Yeah, it's... 
the this kind of ranking is just inherently impossible. It's a, it's just it just doesn't it's so arbitrary. But it gets the clicks. You do what you got to do, and now we're talking about it. So here we go. Yeah. Um, the I thought the uh, every I you know ink. Everyone but Covington, I thought it was interesting that was ahead of him. I thought Thaddeus Young, Jalen Brown, J.J. Redick, Joe Ingles, all interesting. I think Jalen Brown is, now this is like sort of like projecting into this year. Cool. I think Jalen Brown is potentially better than him, but I don't think Jalen Brown is better than him right now. Yeah. I mean, you um, could say the same thing about like Jaron Jackson. Uh, As a guy, yeah. it's like he's, you know, he's doing different stuff in Memphis. He's they're expanding his role. Uh, he's allowed to make mistakes, uh, work through them. He's also one of already the most efficient defensive players in the league, and a really good shooter as a big guy, and can, is seemingly adding more dribble drive to his game. And so it's like one of those things where it's like, well, those are just you can't compare those guys. They play different positions. They're in different scenarios, and you know, are you projecting forward or what? So it's just you know, we're having fun here. Do you think he has a higher absolute value than J.J. Redick? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's me and, and my preference because I'm a defense guy. Um, I give a shit about it. I think I've occasionally gone overboard in, in prioritizing defense, and, and if a guy is not a, not a very capable defender but like is smart enough the way J.J. is, then they can just kind of get by on defense versus a guy like, for example, you know, reach into my past of guy of athletic dudes I liked that didn't really put it together. Let's say Perry Jones. Like, does he oh, have boy. all the defensive tools in the world that you like can see it come together? Sure. But is he actually good at really anything at all? No. Um, so there, <laughs> Dude, it's, pe- everybody wanted Perry Jones. Oh, yeah. Like, I wanted everyone from that <laughs> Baylor team. There's a guy, Quincy Miller, who I've, I've loved ever since for sure. Um, but some guys don't put it together because they're not, they just don't have the basketball IQ for it. So JJ is, you know, you can tell he's a, he's a smart player and he positions himself well defensively, even though he kind of runs like a Oompa Loompa and uh, isn't, doesn't have any length whatsoever. We take one quick break from the podcast to talk about our sponsor, Big Barker therapeutic dog beds. There will be two dog beds on the stage at Live Ricky 4. You, if you go to Live Ricky 4, you'll have a chance to sit on those those big Barker dog beds and take them home with you. Um, I got a very concerned text message from Amos earlier this week about the dog beds. And he was like, I wouldn't put the dog beds in front of the band. Why? <laughs> That's what I said. I'm like, well, I said... I, where are we going to put them? I was like, I can't put them next to the podium for the uh, the Process Hall of Fame speeches. I can't just stick them in the middle. That's where we are. And he was like, drums are loud. You're going to have to give them uh, earplugs. And I was mm. like, well, then we'll give them earplugs. <laughs> it's a good contest. So I think we can overrule Amos on that one. Um, Big Barker dog beds are fine for humans to sit on or even lay on because they are engineered by experts to support dogs bigger than 50 pounds, support their joints. So as they get older, 
perhaps develop arthritis. They're going to feel great when they're young. They're going to feel even better when they're older. They're going to feel fucking great. They're going to act like they're young, all because they're sleeping on a real bed instead of that piece of crap you get from the pet store. We got a couple of great new process pups this week. Penny, who is a six-year-old pit bull mix from uh, Southeast Virginia, a rescue in Southeast Virginia, and Ada, who is from uh, is a part Carolina dog, which is the American Dingo, and she is a Horford appreciator from day one. So I'm looking at the process pups right now. Your dog can be a process pup. Just get go to bigbarker.com/ricky, bigbarker.com/ricky. Order the Big Barker dog bed. Get the two process pup patches designed by our fantastic artist Tanner Lowry. Iron them right there on the bed. Send us the picture. We'll put them on the website with a bio. Um, your dog is important. Your dog's health is super important. And there's really no excuse, aside from not knowing about it, that's why we're telling you about it, there's really no excuse to not have your dog sleeping on a, a proper bed. You sleep on a proper bed. I sleep on a proper bed. Mike, you? Proper bed. Proper bed. Your dog should be sleeping on a, a proper bed. A proper mattress promotes enhanced energy and mobility levels in older dogs, reduces wear and tear in younger dogs. Ten-year warranty on the Big Barker, bigbarker.com slash Ricky. The foam won't flatten or they'll replace it for free. One-year at-home trial. If you don't like it, within that year, they will even pay for the shipping to send it back, bigbarker.com slash Ricky. And handmade in the USA and on the stage at Live Ricky 4. Big Barker dog beds. <laughs> Now back to the podcast. All right. Before we get to the Mike Scott fight and the rest of the top 100, the tattoo thing is actually going to happen at Live Ricky 4. Um, Someone will be getting tattooed live on stage. Yeah. So here's what I'll say. is it, it's, it's sort of impossible for us to figure out the stage before getting on the stage, because we've never had a band up there before, um, and I How have to talk to. How big is the band? Uh, Paul wants like seven people in mm. the band, so it's a legit band. I, I told him he goes, he goes a normal small band like seven or eight people, and I go, I was like, Paul, there's like three people in Rush and Green Day. Like, <laughs> what do you mean seven or eight people is a small band? The like, only two bands. <laughs> yeah, but just. Don't say seven or eight. It's yeah, like no, it's, small. Yes. I would say most bands small are, are like, four, or five. four or five. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'd be like, okay. um, so, but seven anyway. is mid-sized for sure. At least. No, it's big. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's small for a Paul, wedding. Band. I was giving Paul. A, yeah. I was giving Paul a little. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I guess what I will say is we're going to have to get there that day or I'll get there early. Look at the stage. Maybe we do it on the stage in the hour before the show. Or maybe, like, we're going to have to figure it out. But it will be at Live Ricky 4. Um, Mike Scott will see the tattoo, whatever. Okay, so it's going to happen. The tattoo is going to be done by Tim Pangburn. Now, you, Tim, hang on a second, hang on a second. Yeah. A guy who does the tattoo. Yeah. His last name. Yes. Is Tim Pangburn. Yes. Two things that el elicit pain during yes. the tattoo. Yes. He also has the job of, of tattooing. the thing that his last name indicates. Yes. Okay. Now, I'm, you know, it feels like a bit. <laughs> it's not a bit. I'll let it go. So Tim, 
Uh, Tim was actually on a TV show called America's Worst Tattoos. And what he did was like one of Tim's specialties is cover-ups. So Tim, I've known Tim for over 10 years now. He has done, so on my right arm, I have a thing with a backboard like being smashed in a basketball and uh, John Starks' Nike sneaker. Tim did that. Tim did my... Did it burn? um, Did you feel any pangs or burns? Yes, lots of pangs and lots of burning. Um, Tim also did uh, the Rebel as an astronaut tattoo on me. He did... Uh, I have the Up House in Space. Uh, Up is my wife's favorite movie, so I have the Up House in Space. And then he did this uh, cover-up on my right arm, um, which is a bunch of pyramids in space. So Tim is very talented. He is at uh, Art Machine in Fishtown. I got Tim to do it. So you have like a, a really good guy doing it. Here's what we want. We want you to submit your tattoo idea that involves somehow writes Ricky Sanchez and Mike Scott. And uh, we will pick one and in the, the days before, and you will get it done at Live Ricky 4. So go to writestorickysanchez.com slash tattoo. That is writestorickysanchez.com slash tattoo. We want, like, so, you know, we're going to have to get it done in less than an hour, so it's not going to be able to be huge, you know. Don't think of something, like, really elaborate, Just give us an idea, I'll give it to Tim, and he'll make it come to life. This is really, I mean, marriage you can get out of, a tattoo you cannot. So this is, I think, the furthest we've gone at a live event. True. Are we we prioritizing people? So we're going to pick people. Are we prioritizing them of people, like, who have not gotten a tattoo before? Like, would they have a leg up? So I just left a box on the form to tell us what you want the tattoo to be. I didn't do that. Um, I suppose it's just an empty box. You could you could put your story in there too. No sob stories. No fucking sob stories. No, I I can't pick based on who has the saddest story. So don't you fucking dare do that. Just if you want to tell us if you have a bunch of other tattoos, we'll accept that. Or if you want to give us any context, we can do that too. Um, So. We're excited for Live Ricky 4, which is at the Franklin Music Hall, September 27th. The VIP tickets are completely sold out, but there is GA. Um, We say GA, but you're not going to be standing there. You will be sitting, which I think is, um, you know, one thing, you know, John Wintermute, who has come to all of our events, good guy. Of course. Um, So John did not bring his wife to the Underground Arts ones and brought her to the one at the uh, Franklin Music Hall used to be the electric factory. And the thing about the seats is if somebody's going who isn't really, 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 really into it, they can have a good time. It's a good show. There are seats. It's not like the Underground Arts ones, which were kind of scary. Great, but kind of scary. So Mike Scott will be there. I will do the Process Hall of Fame speeches. I have my poem about Jimmy Butler. Um, You have yet to decide if you want to do a game for something. We do have have that possibility. We'll have the... The uh, autographed Mike Scott posters for sale, and we do have a giant surprise for that night, an enormous surprise for that night uh, on stage. So go to com for tickets, and if you want to get tattooed, go to com slash tattoo. Um, a good time to talk about the fight, which was bound to happen, <laughs> I guess, at some point. Yes. Um, I'm glad nobody actually got hurt. I think that is... The first thing so that I'll give, say. Give us a sum up of before we dive in. 
So here's what happened. Mike Scott is from Virginia. He's a Redskins fan. Um, He said that he's going to go to the opener and he was looking for tailgates to go to. He's going to go to a tailgate, and um, but he kept saying he was going to wear his Redskins jersey. And a couple of people, Mike's, you know, Mike is very interactive on Twitter. A couple of people were like, hey, man, I wouldn't do that. And like his response once was, well, what's going to happen? <laughs> so, so he's walking through the parking lot. And I will say on a, the opener, one o'clock game, nice weather out. People are fucking, they're going, man. I mean, like, I'm there for every game for, for work, for WIP. They're just fucking, they're lit. They're going. And I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm a little bit worried. And I don't know if you remember this, but Embiid, either last year or the year before, I think it was last year, was in the parking lot before a game and ended up pushing a guy really hard. Do you remember that video? Vaguely. Yeah, he like he pushed a guy down because people are just out of control at it. So Mike Scott is walking through the tailgate, and from what uh, everyone has been able to ascertain, Kyle Newbeck like did an investigative piece on this, which is absolutely hilarious. Yes, very funny, is very that, on brand. Yeah, is that there were guys at this one tailgate that w- one guy had a microphone and I guess pointed Mike Scott out. Um, later, someone said that he said something racially motivated or somebody there, maybe not the guy with the microphone or somebody said something racial. And Mike Scott was in there and I don't even know who swung first, but somebody swung and there was pushing. Mike Scott swung at a couple of guys. Um, nobody seemed to really get hurt. Mike Scott left, went to the game took more selfies, tweeted the day away, and then that was it. Do we know if the guy that was hit went to the game still? Hmm, I don't know. We should check his Twitter. Now, there, there was like, I thought was interesting. Everybody was like, well, they must have known it was Mike Scott. And I think, I think sometimes Twitter people don't totally understand the real world. Yes, sometimes. first of all, how many people are not on Twitter and don't, uh, don't just know most. who everybody is and what they look like, especially yeah. out of context. Third, right. I mean, most importantly, a lot of people don't realize, how, I would say upwards of 50% of Eagles fans couldn't name five Sixers. I wouldn't say uh, five. I don't know 50% of Eagles fans, but... I bet, but like, I bet 50% of Eagles fans could name Embiid, Simmons... Al Horford, and they'd like struggle with Tobias. And some of them would say Markel. Yeah, Mark at Holmes. this point, especially at this point, because nobody's even been here that long. Um, and your point about Twitter is even greater because I would say like 90% of people are not, they might have a Twitter account, but 90% are not active on Twitter. So while in the in our little world, you know, the Mike Scott hive and Mike Scott retweeting people is like this thing, for most people, it's it's not a thing, especially... You know, most people over the age of 30, I would say. It's not a thing. So if a guy comes, and especially out of context, it's a really good point. Guy comes in, you know, plaid pants and a Redskins jersey wearing a hat, like just because he's 6'8", like everybody's like, well, you didn't know like a 6'8", you know, that, that he was in the NBA is like, I don't know, probably not. 
I, I don't think everyone there knew who he was. No, they're just and, drunk idiot Eagles fans. Fucking racist, yes. dumb, drunk idiot Eagles fans. Yeah, and I don't want to characterize every, you know, most Eagles fans are, are fine, are absolutely fine. But people get drunk, especially people who, honestly, to me, I don't even understand tailgating. I'd rather party not in a parking lot for me. Anyone can do whatever they want, but for me, I don't want to do that. I've so never I guess been, and maybe this is just my, like, I like to be at home or, like, just with friends. I, I don't like to be drunk at sporting events. It's, yes, It doesn't I agree. seem like a pleasant experience. I, maybe you get drunk at home or whatever, whatever intoxicated you want to get watching something, but to be there and to be, like, fucked up and to be, like, either too hot or too cold, like, when you're whatever, when you're not feeling well already, it's like, no, just like so, couldn't be less interested. Couldn't be less yeah. interested. I would say on the scale, okay, let's say one is not drunk at all, 10 is totally blasted. What I would say, comfortable for me, at a concert is a four or a five. Like, maybe I'll, maybe I'll feel a little, I won't think about that I gotta wake up the next day. Well, I think like, concert's different. I think concert's yeah. different because there's not like, you know, once once the main event starts, then it's just going, and you're right. not like talking to people during it. Right. Versus, you know, no matter what sport you're seeing, there's intermission, whatever it is. Yeah, I would say the game. Like, I'll have a, a beer or two, you know, but that's it. I like, I don't want to be drunk for a game. I don't. I no no offense to anyone who does, but I don't want to. I guess I would say this. Obviously, the guys in the tailgate acted inappropriately. Um, and, but I, w- I would say this for Mike. Cause the and, report, and the report was that they, that they threw some racial slurs at him, which is somebody there did not everybody. Yeah. Sure. I don't want to. Yeah. Um, and, uh, not surprising anywhere that that would happen truly that if people are drunk and whatever, yeah. I not acceptable, obviously not acceptable. Yes. I would say this though for Mike. Like, I truly appreciate, I think you truly appreciate, everyone truly appreciates how integrated he is with everything here, with just with people. He's down to like, you know, when he raced that kid at the track, he just went by himself. Like he just went and raced the kid. That's great. He, he should be careful. And like, I think there was a, a Sixers person with him, but it's not like he has huge security detail with him wherever he goes. And I think, like, for his own sake, that putting himself in that position, wearing the jersey, like, I don't want anything. But not, I'm not saying that he deserved it. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is you can make decisions based on, like, um, what the best thing to do is. And I think, like, that given what could happen for his own sake was not the best thing to do. Sure. I, would say. I mean, I yeah. I think you can certainly say like not worth it, but there's the that's, good part of Philadelphia, right. which is like everybody's passionate, people are loving it, like you're one of the people, blue collar town, all the shit that you always hear and talk about. But then there's like a decent sized portion, who knows how big it is, that's just like fucking asshole idiots that are drunk at an Eagles game that just want to start shit. Like, and that's always been the case. And if regardless of whether you're Mike Scott sized or like uh, a girl in a Cowboys jersey or whatever it is, like people are going to say dumb shit and it sucks, 
I wish that wasn't the case. I think a lot of it isn't good fun. Uh, when I've been to games with you know people of, with different jerseys on or whatever, it's not, a lot of it's good good natured ribbing, um, because nobody hates uh, Phil, Phil, no, but nobody hates their own teams more than Philadelphia fans, especially when during a bad year. If if somebody if you're if it's Eagles whatever fucking Jags and there's a Jags fan there, and the the, the Eagles like. Uh, they had come. The Jags had a comeback loss or something like that to the Eagles, and it's like, we're yeah, they fucking suck. Fuck these guys. They're they're awful. It's terrible. So that's fun, and you have fun with the you bond. It's how you meet people. It's a nice thing. But there's a segment of people that fucking suck, and I don't want to tell Mike Scott what to do. He can make his own decisions, but that is just like part of the city, and unfortunately, something he'll have to deal with. And I was wondering like what the Sixers said some like standard language thing of like we support him and we're looking into it whatever it is um, well, they they followed up with it that they're not treating it like there's there's going to be no like talking to or like i i think that they concluded that he did not do anything particularly wrong okay i think he he just he just reacted and he you know it was a situation it was not his fault he you know, I don't blame him for swinging back if somebody pushed at him. I just like, I don't want him to be in a position where he has to defend himself, where he no, could have avoided. Sixth it. man this year, we need him. Yeah, yeah, right. And especially when it's like there are some situations that you can't avoid. Just walking down the street and some drunk idiot that comes up to you, you there's nothing you can do about this one. You can, and I just for his own sake, for his own safety, um, I want him to think about that. Yeah, now. All that being said, the Washington football team is a trash organization with a racist ass mm-hmm. name and mascot and shitty owner, and he should mm-hmm. ab- absolve himself of his fandom for them. Well, but he's from there. Yeah, um, no, I agree. Yeah. I feel it. It's a, but it's a journey, and he needs to he needs to go on it and realize that he should not be the fan of that team because fuck them. Hmm. That's like I'm know. saying this in jest, but okay. <laughs> I think it's okay. like, just embrace Philly, be an Eagles yeah. fan. The team is trash anyway. Like, give it up. Go, you know, be a UVA fan. Support UVA. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And and this is also what I'd like to say. We said this on Twitter. We support Mike 100%. Um, all jerseys, except for Celtics jerseys, are welcome <laughs> at Live Ricky 4. Uh, if Mike wants to wear a Washington football team jersey, he's welcome to. Um, all jerseys are, are, of course, welcome. Um, and it is a safe space for everyone at Live Ricky 4. Yeah, there has the not old- been even close to violence at any of the shows that we've ever had ever. Not even. Nope. No, even, not even like light nudging. No, not no. That. There was one at, uh, at uh, Fly the Process 3 to Milwaukee. Uh, this guy, Chris Capelli, who is from South Philly. I love Chris. Comes to all our events. Like, started, like, getting in the face of Bucks fans who were getting in his face. And I yelled at him for three seconds. And he, he looked like there was so much shame in his face after that. He walked away and did not fight. And that is the closest I've ever seen at any of our events. So no. Yeah, fight. I mean, it's also like we, you know, not everybody listens to the podcast, came to fly the process. But, like, we were in Minnesota mm-hmm. and, like... <laughs> like screaming shit and chanting yeah. and, and taking over a bar and stomping through their fucking arena and saying stuff like you can't just you can't do that shit. You can't, yeah, you can't say we, we can do dickheads. that. And they can't like it's, yeah. you know, it's fucking fandom, but just do it in a respectful way. And that's all. Yeah. Don't 
Yes, I would say that. I'd say when, the minute you start pointing and taunting, that's when you're asking for it. But as long as you're just doing your, well, yeah, we're pretty annoying. But in fairness, in Minnesota, we were cheering for their team. That's true. I liked uh, confusing is, I think, a winning message. We take a break from the pod to talk about our only lawyer sponsor that we'll ever have, the sponsor of the VIP section at the Live Ricky Four. That is Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. Um, we were th- so everyone in the VIP section gets a special um, commemorative item, and we were thinking about one thing, but we pivoted. You don't even know about this pivot. I'm going to have to send it to you. I'm very excited. Cornblow uh, will be involved in the uh, in the new commemorative item, but uh, I'm very excited about it. So as part of so Cornblow and Cornblow is the uh, premier boutique personal injury law firm in the Delaware Valley. Been there for 40 years. Cornblow's parents started it. Uh, Adam now runs it with his mom. Part of the Cornblow commercials are we give you tips about auto insurance. So here's one thing that nobody really knows about: full coverage and full tort. Like you see that on your auto insurance and you think full coverage is actually full, like everything. So you decline the full tort mistake because um, there are damages that are easy to put into uh, dollar amounts like income or loss of medical bills. That is for full coverage. But full tort is for things like pain and suffering, uh, injuries, all of that stuff. If you're in an accident, you're gonna want full tort. So mm-hmm. it's a little more money, but you gotta have the tort. I love it's tort. The, I'm, I'm a huge fan of tort. I, sometimes when I'm at a restaurant, I ask for a side of tort. <laughs> um, uh, and I say Cornblow recommends all the tort I can get. Warm uh, tort. Warm tort, <laughs> give me a, a warm tort. Uh, Look, we've gotten so many fantastic emails about people dealing with Cornblow. He'll call them, you know, they'll send an email. He'll call on a Sunday night. He'll work hard to help them out, even if he's not making anything on it. But we want him to make something on it. We won't. We don't want you to be injured, but we want him to make something on it. Um, any sort of personal injury, medical malpractice is their specialty, but they'll do anything. Injured at work, slip and fall, car accidents. He's the guy. Um, if you think you might have a case, give them a call, shoot them an email. doesn't cost you anything. You don't have to spend any tort on it. 215-576-7200. Ask for Adam or email cornblow at cornblow and cornblow.com or go to lawyersfortheprocess.com. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. Now back to the pod. Back to the SI Top, SI top 100. Um, in I haven't seen anybody talking about it, but in a, uh, in a ranking that I think Sixers fans might get a little upset with. Tobias Harris was at 49. He is ahead of Ojan Bogdanovich at 52, Otto Porter at 57, Clay Thompson, and there's injury concern given or his value this year because he's not going to play half the year at least, at 58. Why do I have Otto Porter at 60 and 57? I was definitely wrong there. The 60 was, 57 was definitely Aaron Gordon at 60. And then he is, these are the people right ahead of him, ahead of Tobias Harris. At 35, Jason Tatum, 38, Jamal Murray, at 41, Kevin Love, at 44, D'Angelo Russell, and at 46, Eric Bledsoe. So I think this is where it gets pretty crazy. 
Like mm-hmm. the, you know, when you rank, if if you're in like a fantasy draft or whatever for whatever league, like you have the here are the guys that I like segment, mm-hmm. and then here's the guys that I don't like, but I have to acknowledge is in are in like the top tier of guys or the top few tiers of guys, but I'll put them behind. But then here's the guys after those guys that I really like. And so in this version, I think there's the like, there's the 30 or so players that they really like and are passionate about. And then there's sort of a, a traffic jam of guys that they're like, well, we have to put them here. Like we can't not put them. We can't, they can't rank them like 65. We can't rank like D'Angelo Russell, like 78. But like, so we'll just put him here in this like sort of middling morass, even though we actually like a Bogdanovich, Otto Porter, Clay Thompson being 58 is surprising to me. Um, it it has to be because of he's not going to play sure. for three quarters of the year. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I think I think that's the situation. Tobias at 49 is weird. I I think he's a little bit better than that. I I think you can make the argument that he's worse than. Bogdanovich, Porter, and Clay, but better than everybody else ranked ahead of him, except for maybe Jamal Murray. Um, well, I mean, Kevin Love and Bledsoe. Yeah, Kevin Love, defen- defensive legitimate liability. Jamal, Jamal Murray, defensive liability. D'Angelo Russell, defensive liability. Eric Bledsoe has underperformed in the playoffs every year of his career. Jason Tatum, no Who comment. Knows? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I would probably put Tobias closer to, like, 40 than 49, but I'm, I'm not going to... Again, I I don't care. <laughs> this is nothing. Yeah. Well, this is one of the things where you can tell they just don't like Tobias Harris. Exactly. Now, I I think, you know, the Tobias, the Tobias Harris deal and him is one of those things where... And you could go back in the pod where I've made fun of Tobias Harris, where I am sure that if the Celtics had given Tobias Harris that contract we would be like like giving ourselves cramps laughing on the floor um, at it. I'm sure of it. And um, I, I think I could, I could make an argument that Otto Porter is better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could mean, make it. Better, better defensive player. Yep. Um, probably a better passer. Yep. I would say maybe less of a pure shooter, but it's, at least. His numbers are his his three. Numbers, his numbers are good. Yeah, his three-point numbers are really good. Um, uh, yeah, I think all you, those you know, are true. Kevin Love, um, I think D'Angelo Russell sucks. I just, I think it's interesting to see a national perspective on where he actually is. And then I think what, what you need to do is like really think about what that means and Beat and Simmons have to be. You know, based on well, even if Tobi- l- Tobias Harris, there's still one one more person ranked. That's not in Peter Simmons. It's ranked well above this forty nine. So let's keep going. That's that. very true. Very true. We'll get to that. I was, I was, uh, I was wondering if they would dock him because it was on the Sixers now, but they didn't. So number twenty three was Ben Simmons. He is just ahead of Drew Holiday at twenty five, Chris Middleton at twenty seven, Kyle Lowry at twenty eight. Luka Doncic at 30. He is just behind Bradley Beal at 22, Chris Paul at 21, Kemba Walker at 20, Blake Griffin at 19. My opinion is that of all the guys we're talking about, they have Ben Simmons ranked the most appropriately. Yeah, I think so. I think it's, it's giving him credit for the defensive steps he took, especially in the postseason. Um, 
it's projecting some measure of more offensive success, um, but not to the level of like, oh, he's got a legitimate jump shot now, which I think is I think is right. I, I wouldn't. I think there's a world where he's a little bit behind. Weirdly, of those guys, if you had to say like, hey, one game, you have to win one game this season. Here's your maybe not your first player, but here's your second player that will give you. Blake Griffin would be the last person on that list for me of the people you just named. Yeah, I think, and he's the, the highest ish, among all of them. He's such a he's such a weird fit now. I think yeah. is the weirdest thing. I would if 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 you tell me I have one game, the only guy who is ranked behind Simmons who I would take ahead of him is I would probably take Drew Holiday um, because I just love him. Um, I'd probably. The, it depends on the situation. I would probably if say if you're say the first person you have is like Paul George. The first person on your yeah. team is Paul George, and you get one other guy. So it's Drew, Chris Middleton, Kyle Lowry, Luka Doncic. If you want to win one game and you want to have balanced things, like I could see you making the argument for Lowry for one for one game, and I could see probably not Doncic. I I I guess him over Doncic in every situation. Fat. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. I think Beal is better than Simmons. Uh. Currently. Yeah. Uh, but but Chris Paul, who knows? But who I think knows? it's fair to have him above. Yeah. Um, Kemba Walker, I think, is actually a big who knows. I think he's been overrated for a while, but good. And yeah, Blake Griffin, it's an interesting thing. Yeah. You know, he's always been in a weird fit, and maybe that's because of him. You know, I don't know. So the next one, fucking Al Horford, ranked 18 on the wow. top 100. Wow. That's Which so is weird. fantastic. So we don't have to mention the guys behind him because we just mentioned those people. Um, but the guys ahead of him, just ahead of him, Draymond Green, LaMarcus Aldridge, huh. Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, Rudy Gobert, Carl oh. Anthony Towns, hmm. Russell Westbrook. And we'll stop there. All those now. guys being over like Brad Beal is confusing to me. We take a break from the pod to talk about our original sponsor, uh, L.L. Pavorsky and L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, the seller of just so many engagement rings, over 130 engagement rings to rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners. Mm, too um, many. Too many. Yeah. Too many. I'm glad that that many people have gotten married. Well, is it too many people do you think that have gotten engaged or too many people that have just gone to L.L.? Or bought rings. Yeah. You don't legally have to give the <laughs> ring to someone else. You could just buy a ring for yourself. And that, I think, is an untapped marketplace. I would love to see that uh, proposal. You get down on one knee. You say, I would like you to marry me. You open up the box, and you put the big male ring on yourself. <laughs> or you just buy a ring. You're single. And yep. you go home and watch TV with a ring on your finger. And that's cool. Mike, how are you going to love anyone else if you don't love yourself? That's right. It's all about loving yourself first, getting a ring for yourself. We're going to start that campaign. <laughs> Once everyone's engaged, we're going to start the buy a ring for yourself campaign. Yeah, I think it's smart. Uh, LL will be at Live Ricky 4. Uh, he'll be the one guy in a suit. He will be impossible to miss. His hair, his hair immaculately styled. Um, his children still no older than 12 years old, even no. though we've known them for so many years. 
Uh, if you're gonna, you, you got to get your engagement ring from LL. He'll take care of you. Great rings, great price, great guy. Um, if you're going to buy a ring, give him a call, 215-627-2252. The store is at 707 Walnut. You can stop in and say hi whenever, but if you let him know you're coming first, he'll, he'll be able to have everything laid out for you. You can tweet at him, at LL Pavorsky, or just go to llpavorsky.com, send him an email. Donations decoded by kids and the Providence Animal Center for every pod. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Oh, I'm booking my flight for the live Ricky, and I didn't even consider thinking about it. <laughs> Not even for a second. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I've got to think about it. I'm doing something else. This time, I'm just booking my flight for the live Ricky. That's how I'm excited I am to see LL. Oh, I'm too excited to see him. No tagline this week. So many hugs. Wait, LL sent me. So there was an article in Deadspin about the Mike Scott fight, and they mentioned that he was going to be at a live podcast and didn't say the name of the podcast. Ooh. And LL. That's, and by the way, you got to go out of your way to do that. It was Dan McQuaid, who's from Philly, and in like the three times he's written about us on Deadspin, has neglected the name every time, and I've had to do something about it. It's kind of annoying. Um, it does make me a little mad. And for some reason, they they linked to like an AARP community events page that had our podcast, that had the show listed on it. It's so weird. <laughs> anyway. It's a circuitous way to stab us in the fucking back, Dan. Yep. Um, again. Uh, anyway, LL was so mad about it. I loved it. Anyway, now back to the pod. Yeah, I, well, I would take Draymond Green over Brad. It depends on the team. Yeah, really I mean, some of those team. guys I agree with, but all like LaMarcus Aldridge? Aldridge. Really? Kyrie. I would Go take, Bear. I would Come take Brad Beal over most of those guys. Like, he's not even thinking about it. Like, could, could Towns, like, like, look, I hate Jimmy Butler as much as anyone, but he really was a. Big fucking, it's like it's tough to have an empty thirty-five and twenty, but like it seems like he gives you that like all the time. Yeah, um, and I think like I'm interested to see what the the Rockets are, but Russell Westbrook, like, come on, man, like, tell me the team that you'd rather have Russell Westbrook than Brad Beal. That's I, I guess what I'm saying. Like, tell me, like, you're telling me if if you were building the Rockets right now, you'd have rather have Russell Westbrook than Brad Beal. Why? For what reason? For what insane reason would you rather? Like, what is he better at? I would, yeah. Than, I mean, as your if as your best player, if you had to have one one of those guys as your best player, I could see the argument for Westbrook because his right skills are right. Uh, just dominating. But Westbrook isn't good enough to take a team by himself to no. anywhere near like neither playoff success. at that point. You're not right. really making. But if you want your yeah. second, if it's your second guy, like you already have somebody, whether that's Paul George or whoever, um, then I think it's Brad Beal in a walk. Like 100%. You take, you take I, him as I a, love a, having, finally, Al Horford getting the respect we've demanded for yes. him for years. Good pass to great pass all the way. Good shot to great shot all the way to the 18th best player in the NBA. Yeah. and I think that's crazy. He, uh, I love it. It's funny. I think it's totally accurate. Sure. <laughs> now read who is number 11. Yeah. Well, I have him written down. Um, Jimmy Butler. So I'm not big on reading stuff on the pod, but let me just read what they wrote. Part of relying on Jimmy Butler is accepting that he's a man of certain contradictions. He clearly cares about winning. I'm not so sure. So much that his game reflects it even at a granular, granular level. There's no messing around with Butler. 
He comes to work focused. He commits himself to process and he hustles with abandon, uncommon among superstars. Eh. However, if he feels that people around him aren't quite up to his competitive standards, Butler will light will will light into them just as he did with teammates in Chicago and Minnesota. Everybody has to have winning as their number one priority, Butler told Rachel Nichols. Superstars can get away with a lot of things, but not this. Butler's frustrations are understandable. Still, they concerned a 47-win team that cracked the Western Conference playoffs with one of the most promising young bigs in the game. Every player has the right to advocate for themselves, but if we're assessing the value of those players... From the position of building a team, extreme volatility makes for a considerable handicap. There's nothing in the NBA more stabilizing than a great player forcing his way out. Butler pulled the pin anyway. And in a single season, he detonated one team and bailed out another. The Sixers needed Butler, perhaps more than they knew at the time they traded for him. Whenever the offense chafed against the holes in Ben Simmons' game, Philly called on Butler to initiate the offense. He has that in him. Enough point guardy skills to help run the show, all while scoring in bursts and keeping his turnover numbers exceptionally low. It's still fair to wonder if Butler is quite good enough to carry a high-level team as its best player, though simply having him around opens up a wide variety of adjustments. If an opposing player is heating up, you can hand the assignment off to Butler, who does incredible work pressuring the ball while maintaining sound position. When the game gets tight in crunch time, you can rely on Butler's well-rounded game to turn up a decent look. When a player like Butler does so many things well, you become reliant on his versatility. Then you just hope you can keep him satisfied. Hmm. He's not the 11th best player in the NBA. No, he's really not. He's just he's, not. He's really not. I mean, I, I, love, I loved him. I really lo- I love him as a player. I'm, I'm excited about him as a player still. You know, those feelings don't just go away. But he's very limited as an outside shooter. He clearly, if, you're, if, if we're saying the, the entire game comes into play, we're saying Clay Thompson's injury comes into play, then like character locker room stuff has to come into play. We got to stop assuming that the dude just wants to win. That's clearly not the case. If you wanted to win, then you would like take a really active measure in an active role in like having a healthy culture and environment <laughs> and he hasn't done that anywhere he just like is an ordinary guy like i want to play well i want things my way that's not winning that's just yeah i really like being a control freak which is fine like say but like this narrative that he's sort of started and everybody just buys into is like it's not the case like he chose not to stay in this team where he would win more games and have a chance at winning the championship so he could go to Miami and live cool and be the guy on the well, and mediocre even when team, he was, which is fine, but it's just not, it, it doesn't track. Even when he was here, he was more disruptive than a winning player is. And like the two things, do you remember, obviously you remember when Kobe Bryant wasn't an all-defense team, an all-defense type player anymore, but he kept making all-defense because of reputation. And I don't blame, you know, these guys that have to do these national lists. I, I, I can't even imagine having to watch so much NBA that I have to, like, do this. Like, I, it's almost impossible. I think 
by just watching the Sixers, we're able to watch every other team between two and four times. And I think that is, I think that's a lot, actually. I, I just, a lot of this is like what you think he is as opposed to what he is. Your point is right. He He doesn't just care about winning so much. That's what drives him to like be a dickhead. That's that's not what is driving him. What is driving him is not winning. What is driving him is getting things the way he wants it. And then the other thing is like, he's always hustling and he's always working hard on the court. Like I watched it with my own fucking eyes. It's, it's not true. It's, he took more games off defensively than he took on. So... He's just, he's not the 11th best player he's in not. the NBA. And mostly because I actually, if, if he, if, if his mind doesn't change about being who he is, I actually don't think you can win a championship with him on the team. Um, yeah, I don't know. So I mean, there's a lot of guys you can say that about, not just him, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Westbrook. Yeah. It's so interesting. I think there's, I think the rankings, if I were to do a ranking of like who, like who I think the best player. I think you would have to do it in a way of like, here are the number one guys. Here are mm-hmm. a bunch of guys that could be a number one type guy, and we'll rank them. And then here's the like tertiary guys who can be like your second or third best player on the team, and that's who you like with a skill set that complements a number one guy. And then you can have like a list of like role players, and like here's the ranking of like you know Mike Scott and Joe Harris and shit. Um, but I think just mashing them all together, like LaMarcus Aldridge isn't going to help a winning team more than like Otto Porter is. That's like That has a chance of like contending, like legitimately contending. But he's probably better at getting a team from 36 wins to like 45, you know? It's mm-hmm. one of those things. Yeah, yeah. I but the Marcus Aldridge is a hard guy to figure out like how good he actually is. I yeah. don't even know anymore. He's he's, he's probably better on, defensively than I give him credit for. Mm-hmm. He's and probably um, really, he's probably a very smart defensive player and just like is constantly in the right position. Yeah, and he's big. Yeah, and like like hard to move and that yeah. sort of thing. And but I man, think if you're giving him like a healthy dose of your offense, in a especially in a playoff series, like you're not winning. Yeah, he would be a good second option, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. He's. I, I think that, because he's not like an. He's not really an off-ball guy. He's not like electrically. I've never seen a miss. Things happens. I've never seen him miss a mid-range shot. Sure, that's true. Yeah, for sure. Never. I've never seen him miss. So anyway, where do you um, think Embiid's gonna land? Okay, so ahead of Embiid will be LeBron, Giannis. Um, James Harden. Do you think Durant will be there or no? Steph Curry. Uh, no, they don't rank players who they don't think are going to play. Um, so I, I listened to the, it drove me crazy, but I listened to the podcast with Golliver and Mahoney, and I, I don't think Durant will be on there. Um, he's not projected to play this year, so I don't think they will rank him. Um, so I'm sorry, let me count again. LeBron, um, uh, Harden, Curry, Giannis, um, they will rank. Uh, they will rank uh, AD ahead of him. They will rank Kawhi ahead of him. The yeah. question is, I think he's seventh. 
Interesting. Who? Wait, who else did you say? Who else am I forgetting Jokic. about? Jokic. He better be ahead of Jokic. Is Donovan Mitchell? He's not in the top 10, right? No, he's like 29th or something. Okay. He's sixth. <laughs> Ol- Oladipo? Uh, he's, he's like 39th. Okay. He's going to miss some time, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would guess... Well, we can talk about it next podcast, but I would... Yeah. I. This might be the last year I would put LeBron over Embiid, but I hope for everybody's case that Embiid is better. Because they... Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, because, I mean, I think LeBron, I think this is like... This is the first time LeBron's ever coming back from like a real season-ending injury, so mm-hmm. who knows, really? But he's certainly... Not young. He's been in the league a long time. A lot of mileage on those legs. I think he's the best basketball player of all time, but everybody breaks at some point. Um, I'm going to assume we get one more year of, like, relative prime LeBron. And I hope that Embiid has gotten in much better shape this summer and hits a higher percent of his, of his jumpers and is just basically the same player, but plus that, um, and is one of the best two or three players in the league. Yeah, the Lakers are going to win 47 games, um, and I truly don't believe that Anthony Davis is better than Embiid. I've been saying it for a year. He's not. That's for sure. I mean, especially, I don't think everybody is, like, you can't do, like, a one-on-one matchup and determine it. That's not the right way to do it. But Embiid helps winning more than Anthony Davis does. He's a better defensive presence I would say maybe Anthony Davis gets the edge offensively just because of his versatility um, inside-out game. But I think defensively Embiid is a, is a better player. And I know you said you can't do this every time, but Embiid does dominate them when they play each other. Yeah. Yes. All right. Um, we have a couple of cool previews coming up in the next couple of episodes. We've got a Bucks preview, right, coming up. Yeah? Yeah. Bucks preview. And then we have a Pacers preview coming up, too. So We're going to get them, man. We're going to get into the Eastern Conference. We are prepared. Mm -hmm. Yep. We are cogent or cohesive, whatever the critique was. Mm -hmm. Uh, Incoherent is what we weren't. But we're coherent now. Mm -hmm. Um, We're dialed in. And if I'm borderline unlistenable, then... You should hear me off the podcast because I don't even know. <laughs> uh, live Ricky coming up in 15 days by the time you hear this. Oh, my God. My anxiety is through the fucking roof. It's terrible. Oh, I hate it. I couldn't um, have less anxiety about it. It's great. I know. I know. I, uh, I, just, yeah. I got officially got off for it. I'm ready to go. Booking the flight. <laughs> what a bre- easy breezy, beautiful cover band. I, I, I cannot wait to just... Drink a giant mead or beer. There will be colony beer. beer One mead. Well, I'm going to have just fucking chug it right before we go on so my anxiety goes away. I'm pretty psyched for that. Um, All right. uh, Get your tickets uh, September 27th, Franklin Music Hall, which used to be the Electric Factory. And we will talk to you this weekend with our Bucks preview. That's right. Um, are, Are you down with TTP? Yeah. You know, lick face.
Forever.